0: Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
1: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we are the podcast of champions talking Pac-12 football. Very, you know, I think it's apropos because we just had the national championship in our sport that we covered, David, in uh, college football. So the podcast of champions, we had to be all over this because of course, The Pac-12's got to be, you know, deeply involved in this game. So we're going to talk about all that. We've got (laughs) to talk about Cliff Kingsbury no longer being part of the Pac-12 or USC's coaching staff. He's in the NFL. That's a great fiasco that we're going to jump into. A lot of your questions, we'll do all that. Um, If you have any comments for us, questions for the future, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com, the email address. Or if you'd like to call us or text us, you can do that too, 424-424. 5320678 Five three two zero six seven eight is the number, and of course, if you want to tweet us at Pac twelve Podcast and go on the iTunes, give us a nice five star rating, some positive reviews. We lo- we appreciate all that stuff, especially now we're heading into the off season. We need some stuff to talk about. Leave us some funny, great review, and we'd love to talk about it on the air if we ever looked at it at some point.
0: Yeah, let's. Well, let's just take a look right now. Let's see where we are. Okay. All right, so we're at, we're at still a clean five stars, so that's great work, everybody. Thank you. 100, 192 ratings. Um, Is that we good? Got, That's probably good, right? Or no? You know, we haven't touched in on our reviews in a little bit. We got one that said uh, engineer versus socialist, <laughs> uh, significantly better than average podcast covering mostly the combatants in the public sector versus the private. Other external market participants are discussed while participating in the extraordinary achievement of mediocrity champions for sure i actually don't want to read anymore that's perfect that was really good <laughs> that is perfect that is uh user david t ellis so thank you david uh beautiful review that was from november my, um,
1: my guess is david t ellis is smarter than both of us
0: yeah that was that was too clever because it's you know it touches on obviously a a, a difference in our perspectives but also The actual play on the field, which is, you know, we can barely talk about one thing at a time, let alone have allusions to other things. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: It was like woven all together in his review. So that was great.
0: Beautiful work. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously national title game, huge game and Pac-12 deeply involved. Um Stuart Mandel, I thought had a great tweet about it, which was uh essentially there was a Pac 12 emblem on the wall. Yes. Which is about as close as the Pac-12 was ever going to come to this game <laughs> or something to that effect, which I thought was apt. Uh it took place at Levi Stadium. That's well within the Pac-12 footprint. Yeah. That counts.
1: It did allow like some of the national writers. Now there was a lot of negative negativity coming into this game, but most part people covered it said it's actually pretty good. It was mostly full, but you know, having Clemson fans and Alabama fans buy $1000 plane tickets and come all the way across the country and and you know experience not the best weather in the bay area and maybe not understand the traffic involved and all that kind of stuff and then the little shots at like how far away you know Larry Scott's office was and what he was doing you know if he would helicopter in to check out the game and like you said the the there was the Pac-12 logo in there somewhere uh my wife was looking at she actually covered the uh Super Bowl Fifty, I think, was there. She said, "I think they repurposed the sign they used for Super Bowl Fifty for this national championship game." Now, I don't know if she looked into it to see if that was the case, but that'd be pretty—that'd uh, be pretty apt if something like that happened. And then there's the the Dabo Sweeney post game interview. And there's some Asian guy wearing what looked like a USC visor in the background. That was another Pac-12 reference to the game. So the Pac-12 tried to make itself relevant having the championship game on the West Coast, Dave.
0: Yeah, nothing but absolutely oblique and non-essential references. It's perfect. (laughs) I think it's fitting and good. Um, One reference that just came to mind while I was watching uh, the football contest between Clemson and Alabama was just um, how far – not distance wise, but how far off any single Pac-12 team is, but not only that, like how far an all Pac-12 team, I said this on Twitter to our friend Andrew, but even if you took an all Pac-12 team of all the offensive and defensive linemen and you picked the best from the Pac-12, I don't think it stacks up against either of those teams. Like I don't think defensive line or offensive line, you have anything that stacks up against Clemson or Bama. And that's it's a this year issue, but I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's a pervasive issue, and I just don't know if that. I don't think you're ever going to see a string of dominance from the Pac-12 the way you're currently seeing it from uh, the SEC. I just and I'm including Clemson in the SEC because they're basically an SEC team. <laughs> they're in the exact same footprint, draw from the exact same recruiting base, so it it's essentially the same thing. But Just looking at that line play and what they're able to accomplish and then like, yeah, you've got you've got some standouts in the Pac-12. There's a couple of guys where you're like, okay, yeah, they could they could hang, but it's nowhere near that depth, nowhere near that, like just all across the board talent.
1: Yeah, I think you can find more on the offensive line like Stanford will get some guys. You, You see you see some, you know, and there's some good development at all the programs I think you've seen. Uh, you know, every school in the Pac-12 put guys in the NFL, not the same level. I think the real, I mean, it, theres I think there's still a gap there though, but really on the defensive side and the defensive line to get guys that are 285 pounds and can run a four, I mean, you just don't see that on the West Coast as much. It's more guys that you have to kind of develop out here for whatever reason. Um, in the South, there's just, I mean, there's just more athletes like that where, you know, you get them when they're 18 years old and they're that big and athletic and strong and all that stuff and not you don't see it as much on the West Coast. Um, you see every once in a while, they're definitely fewer and further between. And I think the big problem right now, Dave, is at least for a while, I mean, if you followed recruiting in the 90s, you remember when Miami was good and Florida State was good, they would poach a lot of the best players out of the West coast in California specifically. And I think, you know, about the time, you know, Pete Carroll came around, he was recruiting a lot of those guys. I think that it, it became cooler to stay on the West coast. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like that's, and I'm not saying this all because of USC and Pete Carroll, but I think he helped to make it kind of cooler to stay home. Now with the PAC 12 being down, it seems like it's starting to happen again. I don't know if you get that feeling where the South is kind of coming in And getting some of the best players, and there's no program that's stepping in the way and saying, "Hey, we're going to prevent this from happening." Um, That it's it's not a nationally relevant conference anymore, and I think you might see some talent drain coming out of the West Coast, which I don't think, like we said, we don't think you can even afford to. You got to keep what you have. You might not even be able to keep some of the best guys now because it's more of a, it's almost like a regional sport now, where the South is just dominating, and the West is is not really a factor.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I I think you touched on especially the USC factor. Um, Wilner hits on this a lot. And I think it's the right point, which is so much of the Pac-12 in football is dependent on USC being USC. Uh, And that doesn't mean like Carroll era dominance, but it does mean like just being a consistent conference contender. Because if you do that, then you're recruiting at that top five level because USC can basically sneeze and recruit at a top five level. They just can't, you know, you know, shart like they did this past season, you know, they can sneeze, they can't shart. Um, and, uh, (laughs) this, I mean, it's, it's, if they, if they're not, um, if they're not playing at that high level, if they're going five and seven, they don't recruit at that level. And I don't know that there's anybody else in the PAC 12 who has, because USC, when USC is rolling, it's not just, as you said, it's not just recruiting the West and locking up all of that they can also have a national profile. They can recruit Florida. They can recruit Texas. They can recruit the South. I think they're maybe one of the few Pac-12 programs that if they're in a battle with um, you know, an SEC power and they are doing well on the field, they can win the occasional battle there. Um, I don't know that there's another um, Pac-12 power aside from Stanford with the occasional high academics kid who can do the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I think when you're looking at it, USC um, is maybe the one that can get closest to where Clemson and Alabama were on Monday night naturally. The rest of them have to develop talent. They have to find guys and, and develop them and also scheme around line play. I mean, it's it's a lot of... The, and this is historically the Pac-12 thing is you get, like you said, you can recruit offensive line probably a little bit easier out here than defensive line. But you're recruiting around quarterback and skill talent because that is something that exists on the West Coast at maybe even a better rate than the South, despite what you saw out of Trevor Lawrence on, on Monday. <laughs> um, so I think that that's kind of the, the strategy for everyone, not USC and USC. You just got to get back to that level. Um, and they're not going to recruit nationally at that level if they're you know going 5 and 7 or 6 and 6 which is why you know i think probably for for everybody it's it's a, it's a, you know it's it's not great i mean i think it's uh, it's enjoyable for all of us when we can enjoy the um the 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 issues that usc is going through but it does diminish the national profile of the league yeah which we'll
1: talk about that in a second but i don't know if you knew this david from watching the uh, national championship game but one of the running backs from Alabama, Najee Harris, he's from Northern California. Did you know, did they mention that ever? Or I don't know if you caught I, I, that. <laughs> I think
0: I think once or twice, once or twice. Yes. I could actually probably like tell you his entire life story based off that <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, and Najee's another guy. I mean, he's one of those guys who I think uh, I know UCLA was in on him hard. I know Cal was in on him hard. I think USC was recruiting him too. Um, and he opted to go to Alabama. And, you know, that happened that was what, three, four years ago now? It was class of I think it was class of twenty sixteen. Is that right? Uh
1: was it seventeen or six
0: I don't remember. Sixteen like, or seventeen. Okay. Um but anyway, that was a battle that I think he was done to Alabama though as like It was a pretty early. Sophomore or junior. Um but that was one like you gotta win that one. You can't let a guy like that out of California and, and that's a that's a failure by so many different squads in the in the Pac twelve, but especially I think um, USC, uh, UCLA, and Cal because uh, they were probably the three that maybe had the best chance with them. Cal being the local school, um, but yeah, I mean, when when there's Pac-12 teams that are rolling, like even look at Cal in the early to mid 90, or early to mid 2000s, they were able to lock up a lot of elite talent in the Bay Area, and I think you know Cal can do that even more to an extent than Stanford because Stanford has the stringent academic requirements, but Cal's been bad. Uh, USC's been mediocre and very bad for USC. Um, objectively mediocre, but very bad for USC. UCLA hasn't had its crap together in s- five years now, um, since second or third year of Mora. Um, so it's just you know, it's it's a it's a low time, and it looks like you know, I, I think that I think the Clemson and Alabama we saw or the Clemson and Alabama we will more or less see every year, and it's going to take the Pac-12 one team or just the league is a general thing catching up in a major way. Cause I don't think you're going to see, I don't think it's a zero thing. I think Clemson and Alabama are always going to be like that. And you've got to find some way to catch up.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, those two teams look like they're the best. They've played four years in a row. Now Uh Alabama's played Clemson more than it's played Georgia over the last decade, I believe. So it's uh, that's something um, I don't see anything stopping what double Sweeney talks about, you know, they're going to enjoy this until I think he said Friday and then they're going to get back to work. Pretty crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to what, what's going to happen. We need Something's got to change on the Pac-12, you know, on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, maybe it starts from USC. I don't know. But I think something in general, everyone needs to take a giant step forward because right now we know there's that gap with revenue from the television and all that stuff. But there's a big gap on the field, and I I don't know how you can fix something like that. Um, and it there, but there's a gap, and it, it it's just USC, UCLA, Washington. No one, you know, Washington State had a great season. No one was in the national discussion like what we've seen. There's no, there's no Clemson. There's no um, even Oklahoma's. There's no Alabama. There's none of that, and uh, that's got to change because it's three years in a row you don't make the playoff. That, that you can't keep going like that.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, but with that, I mean, USC is obviously pivoting towards greatness of late. Um, Like, (laughs) I I think I I think whenever I mean, look how obviously USC is great because they hired an offensive coordinator. He didn't even coach a game. And after going thirty five and forty at Texas Tech, simply the fact that he was the offensive coordinator at USC elevated him to an NFL head coaching <laughs> job. That's, that's really something. It's you know, por- that's just the cachet of the USC brand. You know, he was good enough for USC. He's good enough for us. That's what the Cardinals said.
1: I had U- real USC fans, like, arguing stuff like that on my timeline. Like, he used USC, and I was like, look, nothing that Cliff Kingsbury did in the last 35 days at USC was what convinced, like, the New York Jets or the Arizona Cardinals to offer him a head coaching position. It's
0: no, what convinced them was a vague resemblance to Sean McVay. Exactly. Like I think an actual, like vague physical resemblance.
1: <laughs> They're friends. The original, it's funny. The original, um, press release from the St. Lu- the St. Louis, the Arizona Cardinals, man, I'm old. The Arizona Cardinals included the fact that Kingsbury was friends with Sean McVay. Like literally they put that in the press release and then took it out later. Um, that's crazy. This is a copycat league. So for the people that are saying, you know, there's I, there's all kinds of crazy outrage over everything that's going on here. I don't blame Kingsbury at all. If someone offers you a crazy job that you're not qualified for and it's going to pay you five times as much as you're getting now and it's guaranteed for 4 years, you freaking take it. You know, I don't I don't begrudge him at all. You blame the institution for offering that job. I don't think he's qualified to become an NFL coach. Maybe he's going to be great. A lot of people think he's going to bomb. I mean, I don't care. But you can't – I don't blame him for doing that. But there's a lot of USC fans that are mad at him. Most of the USC fans, I think, are mad at USC. There's all these conflicting reports. I talked to USC sources that were denying that USC blocked Kingsbury from interviewing. But uh, Michael Bidwell, the president of the Arizona Cardinals, said that – Cliff Kingsbury had to quit USC's you know, position as offensive coordinator in order to interview. Now, there's an NFL rule that says you can't interview these guys without permission. I mean, somehow that you know, I don't. If if he was given permission, there's really no reason for Bidwell to say that. If he wasn't given permission, maybe he's lying about that he quit and they re- interviewed him anyway. I don't know. There's all this kind of conflicting stuff going on. My my gut feeling is. Lynn Swan is not a very good athletic director. They're not, it is not a well-oiled machine in the USC athletic department. And somehow they did block him from, from doing that, which is just dumb. There's just no reason you can't stop him from interviewing. He, he, well, however he does, he interviews, he gets the job with the Cardinals and, and that's from that, but it's, it's a mess. It doesn't make look, it doesn't make USC look good. And USC had a, a, an ace in the hole here. Like this, this guy was going to come in and score a whole bunch of points and maybe save Clay Helton's job. Now they got to go back to the drawing board without the easiest solution possible. Someone that would fall into your lap. Someone that basically called you to say, Hey, can I come be your offensive coordinator? It really worked out perfectly for USC. Now you got to go back to the drawing board and they put David, they put a lot of eggs in this basket. They had to send out cause they're, they're opening the new Coliseum, the renovated Coliseum. Mm -hmm. They and fans are would you guess they're happy or unhappy at the five and seven season, you know, for if you had to guess I mean,
0: if if they're playing the super long game, they're pretty happy about (laughs) it because it's closer to getting Clay Helton out. Right. But like I mean, in like a general like life sense, probably pretty unhappy. Yeah.
1: So when they get the calls to like renew the season tickets, everyone had to change their seats. So it's sort of like if one of us left. If you left, you know, rivals to go to scout or to 247, you got to take, you got to get all of your people to come with you. Everyone has to renew their tickets and move seats and everything. So it was like a time you had to talk to everybody, all the season ticket holders, (laughs) the year you wouldn't want to do it. And they're all like, oh, mad because, hey, they're five and seven. We don't want to do this. The big pitch that USC made, the big marketing tool that was used was Cliff Kingsbury and this exciting offense. They put so much into that, Dave and now he's gone, now what are you going to do? So it's it's an absolute mess at USC right now. I don't think they know what they're going to do. I mean, I really came into the this this new year going to be, you know what, And I, even though David was really kind of snarky in our first episode, I was going to try to be more positive. And I've told people at USC, you know what, I, I know I'm going to be real snarky. I'll try to be more positive. They make it impossible, David. I don't know what to do. Like, this is the biggest shit show ever. It's just crazy. It's awesome.
0: It's awesome. Was that a um, good rant?
1: Sorry, I was just. Uh, no, that
0: was beautiful. I thought uh, you could have kept going. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Kingsbury thing's interesting to me. I think, um, as far as the Cardinals hiring him, I, I think he's in that great soft middle of coaches. Uh, okay. I think he could be fine there. Like, I think if you told me. 10 years from now that he went, like, an average of 10 and 6 or 9 and 7 every single year, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: That'd be great. That's Um, a great hire if he does that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think he's demonstrably not great. I think he's demonstrably not elite. He went 35 and 40. If you're elite, like, look at what Mike Leach did at Texas Tech. If If you're a truly great coach, you do that. I mean, you go whatever he went, 80 and 40 or something like that. So I think he's demonstrably not that, but I also think he's probably in the middle. Um, I don't think he's a horrible coach. I mean, those were some really great offenses. I think if he can shore that up and like, I mean, for the Cardinals, I think it's whatever. I mean, take a chance on a guy. You're probably not paying him nearly as much as you would have paid, you know, market, um, like a, you know, whatever retread you could have gotten from the NFL. So whatever, take a chance Four years, whatever. You probably fire him after two if he sucks. So there you go. He's, a, um, he's got
1: like a four year deal, and their last coach I forget the name he he lasted one year. I'm like, what kind of deal did that guy have? He's fired after one year. It's, this is insane in the NFL.
0: Yeah, he's probably gonna. I mean, what what would it be? What's uh, what's market rate in the NFL these days? Like six million dollars a year.
1: I think minimum is like three and a half to four. And he's probably
0: I, doing he's probably doing like what four and a half.
1: I would guess something like that. I mean,
0: yeah. So I mean, they're not investing like you know, whatever Belichick money or whatever. So whatever. Um, I think that's, I I think that's probably fine. Um, because I think there's like a negligible difference between him and like whatever out of work (laughs) NFL head coach you could get right now. Um, but the, the USC thing, I mean, what do you even do now? Because already it's been like a little bit into the cycle. Um, like a lot of offensive coordinators have already been hired, picked up elsewhere. So you're looking at guys who have been out of work, either out of work now or they are already been through the early recruiting cycle at whatever school they're at. So they might be less inclined to leave. So you've got a hit. So, I mean, what are you hitting? You got you got Jedfish locally. You've got uh, who's the Rams assistant who was um, UCLA's offensive coordinator. I mean, I, you've got a few out of work USC options. Sark uh kennedy kennedy palomalo what's he doing i don't know what's what's norm chow up to
1: sark to be fair like utah's looking at sark because they have to replace troy taylor like he's on their list
0: utah's crazy that's true that is true (laughs) utah is insane um i mean that's like a real
1: thing like i put sark on we do a hot board i put it on there is was it super serious you know i had like a a source I don't really trust that much say that they would look at him. So I put him on there. You know, it wasn't like uh, someone that I would really believe, but you know, who knows? But Utah for real, I think was that's someone that they were looking at.
0: I know, I know. And then you've got like, what do you got? Like Mike Sanford? He's, uh, he was That name the, came uh, up,
1: so he was the head coach. So he was, okay, so this is interesting But he's too. been
0: picked up by Utah State.
1: He got picked up by Utah State. He was head coach at Western Kentucky for two years. This The reason Mike Sanford works for USC is because it would be completely tone deaf. It would follow along with what they've done before.
0: And so, he's got Western Kentucky. Western he's Kentucky got that in his background—that's what he needs.
1: Yes, that's what Clay Helton likes because he's hired a lot of Western Kentucky people. So it would be tone deaf because the fans would instantly—he could be, uh, you know, uh, Bill Walsh, and they wouldn't care if he came from Western Kentucky. They don't want to hear—they don't want to hear that. But the other thing was, both you, Lynn Swan and Clay Helton talked about. They referenced Notre Dame and their model of what they did. They were four and eight in two thousand sixteen and then 12-0 in 2018. So they were basically trying to say, you know who the offensive coordinator for Notre Dame was when they were four and eight? It was Mike Sanford. And basically, Brian Kelly cleaned house. Now, he didn't fire Mike Sanford. He left on his own to go to... Uh, Western Kentucky. I don't know. People I talked to, they weren't sure if he would have been fired or not, if he was just gonna clean house or anything. But you got basically there's like, you know, the before and after picture of like the dieting. Like you were talking about, hey, we're gonna do what he did, but then you went back and, and hit did his before diet and not his afterwards. So that Sanford would be the perfect hire because it would be the wrong for a lot of reasons, but this is probably why USC would do it.
0: Yeah, and like I think if you were if you were assessing like the smart thing for USC, right? to do right now would be to go back like majorly to the drawing board and start like really evaluating coaches who are good, who have a good rep, who are at lower level schools, maybe running the air raid since you were already sort of planning on doing that. You probably, I mean, frankly, kids are probably already got like some version of a playbook, right? Like something to work on in the off season. So you ideally want it to just be similar tree because again, the air raid is, is kicking ass at all levels right now. Um, they're not going to do that because it's USC, but that's what I would do. I would, I would, I would look at like whoever I don't know what. Graham, are the like, Graham
1: Harrell's one I like. He's at Northern uh, North Texas, and he yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. exact same lineage, exact same background as Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I mean they're both quarterbacks for Mike Leach at Texas Tech, right?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, so wait, yeah. no, Graham might have been. Was he under Kingsbury? He might. Was he under? King, no, he was not that young, right? Um,
0: yeah, I think Graham Harrell was also uh, Leach. Yeah. Um, let's look. But yeah, so I, you know, I like his, yeah, he was leech. Yeah. They're both leech. Yeah. Um, but you could do that. You could do, I don't know. Go look at, uh, what was who's central Florida's offensive coordinator last year. Go look at that. I don't know if they're running exactly air raid. They're running brile system. Similar. Yeah. Do it. Um, we'll but- see.
1: And I feel bad for like those people, like, oh, this is like an LA centric podcast or whatever, but like, dude, like this is, it's like Troy Taylor leaves Utah. Like, it's fine. You know, it's like he's going to go with Sacramento State. Like, there's never, like, drama. It's just like, okay, he was there for a couple years. He moves on. Like, Utah replaces offensive coordinators every year. We talk about it. Somehow USC just makes national news on this stuff and looks stupid the whole time. It's like you can't not talk about it. I I mean, I, I've i done 15 radio shows, I think, in the last 24 hours, and it's just it's insane. And this probably isn't in the top 10 of craziest USC stories of the last 10 years. It's like, it's like top 15. Cause has been so many crazy, stupid things that have been going on when you cover this pro It's just nuts. So I'm sorry if this is like some LA centric thing, but it's really just insanity.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, some of it is like, I mean, just the, the simple fact that USC was in a position to get a guy like Kingsbury leaves them open to something more like this. Um, you you can't really predict that he's going to then get an NFL head coaching job but the way they managed the message the entire way through i think is is maybe their biggest failure like to even let it get out like say linz i mean i don't know the exact details of it it seems like usc backtracked on the idea that they were even blocking him at any point but to even let the idea out that you might have been blocking him at one point because you're not controlling the message well that's just what are you doing? Yeah. Why, why would you ever want that message out there? Like, why would that ever be a thing? You want future coaches to think that you're going to block them from interviewing with NFL teams. Is that a good look? No, 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 no. no. That's a very dumb look. No. So, you know, just uh, the, the, it's the, it's the many stupid different ways they manage the minor things that make it seem like I think a bigger deal than it is because, Look, USC, they could say, look, we, we we hire great coaches. And when we hire, you know, guys with Kingsbury's rep, this is going to happen sometimes. And you can even spin it as like a vague positive. But, yeah, just <laughs> whatever, whatever.
1: It's a mess. Um. So, yes, if you – well, so if you are a USC fan, you're probably not too happy right now. If you're one of the fans of the other 11 teams in the Pac-12, you should be a lot happier. I just don't think USC is going to be as formidable as they could have been with – the talent base they had, and someone like Cliff Kingsbury, but we'll see. They maybe they'll name somebody over the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll see. But that's, so
0: you're a you're a formidable guy. I go with formidable.
1: Formidable. Oh, uh, you're probably right.
0: I don't know. Maybe I, I hear
1: both, but I don't know. You know.
0: Weigh in, listeners. We want to know. We're into the grammar part of the offseason, <laughs> and we want to know where you battle. put where you put the emphasis on.
1: i got a cold dave don't make me say emphasis or anything like that
0: the emphasis Um, on the wrong syllable
1: before (laughs) the syllables before we uh jump into some questions and stuff i want to bring this up a little bit you know there's a little downtime there i want to tell you guys about Robinhood. it's an investing app that will let you buy and sell stocks etfs options and cryptos all commission free they strive to make financial services work for everyone not just the wealthy, and it's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like you, David, to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's simple, it's intuitive. There's a clear design, and the data is presented in an easy to uh, easy way to digest. I love checking it out. I used to like I told you guys before. I used to do a lot of it when I was in my engineering days. And this is a way to kind of get me back into it. I love. I just put it down on my the app on my phone, and it's real easy to to make some trades. Uh, there's no cost or commission. So that's what's great. Usually you'd pay 10 bucks to make a trade. You don't have to do that with Robinhood. So it's trade-free stocks and you keep all of your profits. Plus it's really easy to use. There's these great charts and a lot of market-driven data in there. So you can make a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Uh, really easy to use. And you can learn as you're doing. So if, you wanna, if you're a newbie to trading stocks, go in there and check it out. Uh, you can learn as you invest and build up your portfolio. It's great. And right now, all of our listeners here on the podcast of Champions, you will get a free stock, like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help you start building your portfolio. Sign up at champions.robinhood.com. Excuse me. That's champions.robinhood.com. Go check it out.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's cool. pretty
1: neat. Yeah, thanks to Robinhood. I, I, yeah, I don't know. When I was an engineer, that's just something we do, because we worked in the tech field, mm-hmm. and tech stocks were obviously super hot and stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. And would ab- that work out? I mean, I've made, I made money overall, but it was like, it, you know, it it was just like something because we were working for these companies. You're like everyone did it. It was like you had people made good money, you had discretionary incomes, and you were just, you know, I was living in Silicon Valley. Man, just everyone was. We were all thinking we're experts, and we were certainly uh, certainly not. But I, yeah, this is cool though. It's, it's easy. To, it never had anything as easy as this, so it's kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah, recommend that. But so thanks uh, to Robinhood for that. So we should uh, probably get us some questions david no uh,
0: all right i will uh, i will start with michael uh five minutes this is a good one i think it's a really positive email for us oh you good. ready yes is this serious jokes a rent funny i think he meant aren't info not meaningful could only be through five minutes you could use a pr firm so michael clearly a satisfied listener
1: uh what is this? five minutes what was the five minutes thing
0: I think he could only get, so it was obviously a little bit broken English here, but, um, he could only get through five minutes and he oh. said our jokes, our jokes are not funny and our info is not meaningful, Okay. which I mean, I, I could have told him that, <laughs> I mean, if he wanted like a, a, a preamble beforehand, I mean, I could disclaimer, none of this is funny and certainly not meaningful, but he got into it.
1: Yeah. Um, sorry, Michael, um,
0: We've got another satisfied customer next. Can I read this one? (laughs) Sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, This is another satisfied uh, customer. This is Clyde. Uh, Need to get a reporter from the North contributing. I'm sorry to say it, but you need someone from the North to contribute. Just listen to the start of the bowl recap. You said Minshew threw a pick in the Alamo Bowl. False. Also said Minshew hadn't played Heisman caliber in the last three or four games of the year. Three games ago, he threw seven TDs. Got to get someone from the better division of the conference to give you some clarity. You're far too jaded towards your currently poor programs and hardly give enough respect to teams who constantly win the Pac-12, uh, parentheses the North. So until this juncture, he's making it very clear that this is a group thing, right? He's, he's applying a lot of hatred towards both of us, right? right. Then he says, keep Ryan, get rid of jaded <laughs> David. Better luck in 2019, boys. <laughs> Clyde has had enough of my bullshit. Stop
1: making me laugh. I'm sick. It's hard to talk. Even and like,
0: <laughs> these are funny. so. I mean, obviously, we're 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 aiming to please, and I think with these two first emails, we've clearly um, clearly hit hit our mark. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. Two podcasts into the year that we have already um, really satisfied a couple of people.
1: It's you know that's what we do. I was actually going to say that. I was like, look, if Washington, if this. Cliff Kingsbury crap happened at Washington. We would have Chris fetters on the show. Like we would have to get him on today. It just so happens it's USC. So I can talk about it, but I I hope if it's something big like that, we always will bring in people from the other areas. I don't remember saying Mitch, you threw a, pick that he didn't or something i don't i I don't
0: either uh but i do remember saying that he hadn't played heisman caliber in the last three or four games so let me go back and verify that so he probably played like oregon
1: state or something and threw something like
0: yeah let me just i I don't uh, maybe i'm just completely misremembering the end of the season and i'm not like a full stats plus we
1: never claim to be like geniuses and you know you're the one listening to us i've
0: (laughs) i've I've literally never claimed to be correct on a single thing i am always (laughs) wrong um So, yeah, he threw seven TDs against Arizona, so that's pretty good. But then he was uh, zero touchdowns and two picks against Washington, uh, two touchdowns and zero picks against Colorado, one touchdown, one interception against Cal. I mean, so, yeah, he had one game where he went seven and nothing. But then the other ones he had, uh, it was so over his last five games, he had the seven touchdown game. But if you eliminate that, the other four games, he had five touchdowns and three interceptions. So huh. I don't know. I think I was thematically correct.
1: Yeah, I think so. What uh, do you have his stats for the um, the ball game?
0: Yeah, he was uh, 35 of 49 with two touchdowns for 299 yards. So not not thrown at the he yardage rate pick, either. Yeah. Like the thing was that what he was doing, which was kind of rare for air raid, was he was also doing it at like a good adjusted yards per attempt um, through the like basically the first half of the season. And that slowed down over the last chunk. Like it, He, again, had that big game against Arizona. But otherwise, he wasn't hitting the big plays as much. So I don't know. I'm going to stand by that one. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to stand by it strongly. But, yeah, I, I think he was – I was, like, one of the first people tooting his horn, too. Right. Like, I was, I was big on him being a Heisman guy and, and potentially an NFL guy. And I still think he has that potential. But the last, you know, five or six games weren't – necessarily as hot so
1: it might have been me too I mean I watched a lot of that game I took a lot of notes in that game so sometimes maybe when I'm kind of going through my notes if I misspoke I I
0: mean look we're talking for so long like look I'm I'm wrong if I talk for about a minute or two (laughs) but if like if you if I talk uninterrupted for one or two minutes I will say something that's incorrect that's actually a a pure rule pure axiomatic (laughs) law actually uh, but if we're talking for like an hour and a half to two hours, oh, it's going to be rife with inaccuracy. Nice. It's a beautiful thing. Um,
1: well, you know, we appreciate and, and you know what the great part it is, Dave, that people will – we got a lot of – we're just joking. We, we got a lot of people that love the show and stuff. And we love the criticism. It's fine. Like, real criticism too. Like no problem with that. But I, I just don't think there's a lot of great options out there. So even if we kind of suck, <laughs> we're still like back, the best Clyde. available. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> You're coming back, Clyde. You're coming back. You're going to – you know, go right under this. All
1: right. We got an email from uh, Big Worm. This should be interesting. It's a uh, 2019 Pac-12 football. Gentlemen, listening to your reviews of the 2018 Pac-12 football season have been more painful than passing a one-pound kidney stone while watching reruns of Two and a Half Men and listening to play that song by Train.
0: Wow, hmm. so another satisfied customer.
1: Aren't kidney? I've never done a kidney stone. I think they're really small and super, super painful. A one pound. Well, one, a one
0: pounder would that would. You would be dead. I mean, that would explode you a little bit. I would. Um, I would think that's no. A that problem. would that that's probably requiring surgery at that at that weight. <laughs> You're probably having to dig into your uh, into your you know, depending on where it is. Um, probably having to dig into your internals a little bit. And yeah. That out.
1: I don't think that's getting through your urethra or whatever. Um,
0: yeah. Kidney stones don't really kill you anymore, but they were very much a cause of death back in the uh, 17, 1600s.
1: Oh, ah, it's like the nice, very cool. Okay. They're not nice. That, that was, but I didn't know that. Um,
0: I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it was, it was, you know, kind of cool in a weird, in a really messed up <laughs> or way.
1: as an internal optimist, eternal optimist. Hey, I went to UCLA. I'm hopeful that next season, the PAC 12 can bring a more, competent product to the college football world. I see a bunch of teams improving and only a few getting worse in 2019 versus 2018. I realize that is it, it is super early and a lot will happen between now and September, recruiting, transfers, etc. But let me know if you agree with the following as things stand right now. So he's going to go through some teams and he has got some notes. UCLA improved over 2018. Uh could be very improved. Trust and Chip, I agree with you there. Uh, yeah, agreed. USC improved just based on talent. Uh, it's not going to be a great recruiting class. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'd
0: say no. I, I, I mean, I think they might they might get to a bowl game next year, but I don't think it's going to be like if we're talking improvement. I'm talking like going up a level. Yeah, um, it's like been, UCLA to a bowl game is is a different deal than USC to a bowl game. I think they might be six and six or seven and five, but I don't think that's improving a level. I, I would, think... I don't think they're getting to eight and four, nine and three is what I'm saying.
1: I think they would have with Kingsbury just because they'd score a bunch of points. And now, now that's all in question. So I would, I would put that as a question mark, Oregon improved. Yeah. I mean, you got, um, you know, Justin coming back, you got uh, another great recruiting class. You want to see that offense score more than seven points like they did the bowl game, but I I think they will be improved. What do you think, David?
0: I think so. Um, I'd like to see that defense really start to hit its stride with Levitt because um, they weren't great this year and they weren't, you know, they, they didn't improve a ton this year. So maybe it was just kind of a another building year. But I think they need to be that defense needs to be like a top 30, top 40 unit next year. And I think it has the potential to be.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put this as a qualified. Yes, I think they'll be improved.
1: Washington improved. He said no more noodle arms.
0: Yeah, agreed. Hundred percent. I right. think they'll be. I think they'll be a legit contender next year. Well, two
1: thousand twenty when Browning leaves, right? Like that's when they'll. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Well,
0: no, I, I was assuming <laughs> that no more noodle arms included Browning because he's going to do like a whole bunch of royals <laughs> in the off for his for his sixth year of eligibility.
1: Nice. Uh, Stanford improved. Don't know. I'm not Mm-mm. sure.
0: I'm going to go with a no there. A nope. Yeah. I don't I, think they improve a level because improving a level for them would take them to like true North contender and potential New Year's bowl team. And I just don't see it. Next
1: yeah. Year. JJ Arcega Whiteside's not coming back. I yeah, mean, there's I a lot know. of, yeah, yeah, that might Bryce be
0: Love gone.
1: KJ Costello. They talked about could potentially leave too. I haven't heard anything new in the last few days, but that was something else. Um, Cal improved.
0: If they can figure out offense. Yes. I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in no way convinced that they can. I think they've got Devon Modster's coming in as a, as a graduate transfer uh, quarterback. And I think he's going to be immediately eligible. I think um, I, I don't I, what I'm saying is, I don't know if he's graduate transfer, or just a straight transfer, but he's coming in and yeah. I think if he can play next year, I think that'll be an upgrade at the quarterback position. Um, but
1: it's hard to improve on defense because they're so freaking good. Yeah, there's a lot of upside on the offensive side, but I like Bo Baldwin a lot. But they just—I mean—they were bad decisions. Three quarterbacks at one time. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm not convinced that the offense will be improved.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, so I'm going to put that as a yeah. Meh. I don't know.
1: It's a meh. Uh, Oregon State improved. Not that it means much. They should be improved.
0: I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea why they would be. I mean, defensively, are, has anything changed really?
1: I think. I mean, they're going to bring in some JC guy. I, I, I don't know. I feel somewhat confident. I feel, I feel they made some like small strides that weren't really like be able to win a game, but they they just looked more competent. I don't know. My guess is they're going to be, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, Utah, same. Uh, they will win nine games until the end of eternity. What do yeah. you think? Probably. I mean, we just don't know what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball yet. Um, if they bring in Sark maybe who knows uh colorado tough to say yeah i mean i don't know it's yeah we don't even know what that'll look like like Was a seven game losing streak like you gotta get better than that washington state uh likely worse but probably won't fall off too much it's like that Minshew thing he's so good like i but you gotta trust leach because he just does it every year
0: Yeah. And I think now that he's had time to get his young guys a little bit more developed at quarterback with Minshew taking the reins this year, I don't think he will need to hit the grad transfer market. They could. um, And I think now there's a model out there for other grad transfer quarterbacks to say, hey, wow, I could walk into Washington State, start and be talked about as a Heisman contender by midseason. Sign me up. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe he looks around, you know, like. Jalen Hurts isn't nearly as accurate as Gardner Minshew, um but he's got a little bit of that mobility in the pocket, same kind of deal and maybe Leach finally realized he needs a guy there who can move his feet a little bit. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's a perfect fit. I don't know if it's an ideal air raid quarterback, but I'd I'd kick the tires on that if I was Mike Leach.
1: Ah, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, he's a uh, he's apparently as of this morning or something, he registered for the the transfer database, so... Right, is that yeah. what it is? Transfer database, right? I think that's what they call it, whatever.
0: Exactly. Ah,
1: go to Mike Leach. Um, he would probably, his his accuracy, I think, would improve a lot. Um, I think it
0: would, and I think he would give them even a bigger running element than they had with Minshew, because Minshew was just a kind of a buy-you-time guy, but if they had somebody who could actually make teams pay by scrambling, I don't know. He would be, be deadly. A
1: like, if, if Leach trusted him to make the throws that, like a lot of the quick reads and all that kind of stuff that like you would see Minshew do, but the athleticism where if like something's not there, he just runs and just, I mean, he could run, he would, uh, he'd be like Khalil Tate or something, you know, like it'd be crazy. It'd be um, awesome. Yeah. That'd be good for the pack 12. Uh, he says ASU, he says worse due to graduations and the Herm stink solidifying on the team. Mm. I don't I, I'm not sure. I'm not going to make any predictions with ASU. No, because, we're not
0: making any predictions on ASU until we hear from Chris Cartman.
1: Right. He was right. We're going to follow what Chris said. Um, will it be where there was like, they were going to be a lot better the first year than people thought, and then they kind of trail off maybe, or, you know, we'll see. Manny Wilkins, like I would, I put a lot of stock into him and he wasn't as effective as I thought he would have been this year, but, you know, it was maybe, and they, they recruited well. So I don't know. I mean, ASU is maybe going to be better than I thought, but I'm not going to. Like I said, we'll wait for Cartman, uh, and then Arizona. He says worse.
0: Mm, I mean, if t- uh, they've got Tate coming back, um, the defense is, was still, I think, pretty sophomore heavy. So I think the defense will be better next year, and they were starting to trend towards you know middling by the uh, end of the season. So I don't know. I think Arizona might actually be better next year. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't go with worse. I wouldn't worse. say
0: categorically worse. That's yeah. what I would say. Um, I, but I think they have a chance to be better um, because they do have some returning bodies on defense especially.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good stuff from Big Worm. Thanks, Big Worm.
0: Okay. And uh, so that's a great question. So this one had a lot of us having to like think and remember stuff. We probably said like 10 wrong things answering this very question. Like, think about that. We probably said so many wrong stuff. <laughs> so many of these fan bases are like, well, wow, these guys don't know anything. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the, the trick. But they'll they'll think we know everything when we're talking about the other 11 teams. They just won't think it when they're talking about their team. Right. All right. Um, Matthew has an email just for you that you should read. at leisure. Oh, I just forwarded uh, it
1: to myself. OK, thank you.
0: There you go. Uh, Mike in Oakland says, please explain. Oh, hey, guys, this can't be good. I'm sure it's fine. Um, I'm very interested in your take. On the interest in coaches that have yet to succeed, the two I am thinking of are Kingsbury and Cristobal. I am sure they are very nice guys and have some great skills, but they have not broken through yet. Cristobal got fired as the head coach at FIU. He became the head coach at Oregon because Willie Taggart saw his dream job at FSU and the the players wanted Cristobal. Oregon has a mediocre season with arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, yet Cristobal is being mentioned for several head coaching positions, and Nike U has the highest-ranked class in the conference. I realize Uncle Phil and all the bells and whistles are a big draw, but you have to play ball at some point. I also hear Mario is a real player's coach, but he also needs to get the job done, i.e. win games. Kingsbury seems charismatic, and the ladies seem to find him attractive, but that and getting fired from Texas Tech does not seem to qualify one for a head coaching position in the NFL. I do think USC's move to bring in KK. Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not let's let's avoid the KK. All right. It's a little <laughs> too close. I actually went and looked up what his middle name was because I was trying to figure that one out. Let's just let's just call him Cliff Kingsbury, right? Or maybe throw in a C if you want to do it. You can do C KK. Let's not just do the KK. All right. Uh, I do think USC's move to bring in Cliff Kingsbury as an OC was a good one. If it doesn't work out, Clay Helton or Lynn Swan can always say that air rage stick is not for the mighty USC. Please help me because I want to know how this works if I ever get fired. Thanks. Go Cougs. Mike in Oakland. Well, the first thing I would say is that coaching in and of itself is a very incestuous um, industry, first. And the second part is um, because it's incestuous, you're obviously hiring a lot of guys you know, but also it's um, it's a closed loop. Um, the only guys who are eligible to become coaches, except for very, very few exceptions, are former players. Um, and There's no acknowledgement ever, um, seemingly, that the skill sets to be a position coach, to be a coordinator, and to be a head coach are entirely different. Um, And so I think there's a big failure with how it's all structured. But the end result is that if you're just around long enough and you're not horrible, you'll eventually get promoted to some position beyond your skills. It's the Peter (laughs) Principle at play.
1: Yes. And I think one of the things that... That I probably wasn't as aware of before when you look at some of these things is I think chemistry and a staff does matter. It's not just like you need the best offensive guy, you need the best defensive guy, the best special teams guy. Cause you're spending it's not like you're working and it's a 40 hour a week job and you're all you go in the office and you go home and and you know, bitch to your wife about the guy that you don't like. These guys like almost live together all the time. So I think if the chemistry doesn't work, it can really upset things in the, in the staff and in the meeting rooms and things like that. So maybe you do have, he's the best offensive line coach around, but if the whole staff hates him, like he's probably not going to be there. So it it becomes even more incestuous because you not just want to hire someone that's good, but it's almost like you need to hire someone, you know, so you could get along. It's like picking a roommate or something. So it's, (laughs) it's a really weird uh, dynamic, Mike. And I, you know, it, I don't get it all the time. I'm more into like, Hey, try to hire people that, are proven and have done it before. But like, like David said, most of you're getting former players. If you're going to get someone that's never played before, they have to come in through the system. Like they become like an analyst or something. Maybe then they become a GA and then you see what they can do. And they're only learning from all these people that have done it before. There's not like some outside academic world where you can kind of learn to be a coach and then insert yourself in there. It's like you only learn at, in this group and it's, it's almost like you get inbreeding all the time. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah. And I I mean, it's not how like, I mean, it's it's in no one's ideal world. Like if you took it as just like an industry, it's no one's ideal world of like how these things should work. Like most big businesses aren't hiring somebody as their CEO who just made it through the ranks. They're hiring somebody else's CEO from another industry entirely or whatever it is, um, because it's the leadership skills that matter, not necessarily like the functional whatever it is. But End result, uh, it ends up being a very, um, you know, higher guys, you know, higher guys who are, you know, I I think. And uh, the other thing is that the thing we mentioned up top, it's also a copycat thing. Yes. Everyone sees Sean McVay, who's a young guy with like a close cropped beard, who's kind of sandy blonde. And they're like, hey, Cliff Kingsbury looks like him. And he's also known for offense. So let's give him a shot. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. and you know, maybe it'll work out. I, I I think McVeigh is like something akin to a savant when it comes to offensive coaching. Um, I don't know if Kingsbury is that, um, but maybe he is. And so we'll see. And if they can shore up the defense, um, with a really dynamic DC hire, maybe it'll work out. But, um, the crystal ball thing is the more curious one for me. I think he also has a lot of, uh, a lot of patrons in the sports media world and throughout the industry who just like him um and so they put him up for things um I don't he did nothing at FIU and I realized it was a nothing program um like a literal like nothing program before he got there and he d- didn't have much to work with but he also didn't do anything there I mean he, he didn't have good seasons um and then he got the Oregon job and frankly last season I thought was a minor key disappointment for Oregon um and uh, I mean, just they don't. I don't know. That offense didn't look as good as it should with a potential Heisman-caliber quarterback. So I don't know. Jury's out for me on Crystal Ball. I think Kingsbury. I think you can at least point to elite offense is something he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I don't know what you're getting out of Crystal Ball right now. I think Oregon um, is becoming a much better recruiting power um, with or without Crystal Ball. Um, but I think he. You know, he's a good recruiter, so that's something. But um, uh, at a certain point, you have to just play well on the field.
1: I kind of I have a pretty good gut feeling about Crystal ball for whatever reason, but I do feel the same way that I expected a little bit more this year. I expected better from the offense with, uh, you know, the, the potential number one pick uh, in the NFL draft, Justin Herbert. With him coming back, you know, this will be a make it or break it year. You got your senior quarterback coming back, you got a lot of talent. Uh, they should they should contend and uh, potentially win the Pac-12 North next year. You know, Washington team Washington's the team to beat, but we'll see how Oregon does. If they don't if they underachieve this year, then I'm not going to be real high on Chris Ball going forward. Uh real quick aside, it kind of like maybe an analogy from some of this coaching world. and I just realized this. My old when I was an engineer, the old profession, I used to design um there was ASICs, application-specific integrated circuits. You would do this, basically you design stuff on a computer and you create hardware, like these little computer chips, like a chip that's in your phone. That's the kind of stuff we would design. we put them in satellites and crap like that. But there was the industry, the software that you would need to use or any kind of programs you would need to use to create these chips was really complicated because all these engineers are using it. So I worked for a Silicon Valley company that would sell these really expensive software licenses to, to all the different engineering firms, like aerospace companies, whatever, that would make these chips, Intel, all these, anyone that makes chips, we would sell them the software. And it was so complicated that the salespeople had to be engineers. The marketing people had to be engineers. Like you couldn't do it without, so you would much rather have like the best salesperson possible, but the engineers that you would be selling to would never listen to you because they don't think you know what you're talking about because you weren't an engineer. So our whole industry, everyone had to have an engineering degree. And usually with engineers, it's not like the most Yeah, they're usually not the most uh yeah, communication is not the communication skills aren't like the best. So it was just really weird, but because of the nature of it, like coaching, like everyone had to be in this coaching thing, even though you're doing these jobs that maybe aren't the best for it. But if you're not in the coaching world, it's like you can't be in there. For us, that if you weren't an engineer, you just couldn't even be in the company despite doing things that were non-engineering, like sales and marketing.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the uh uh a smart way to think about it, probably smarter than what I was saying. I think what I would say is, uh, if you're an engineer, you're clearly already um, very smart. Like you, are, you already have, uh, you've shown the ability to learn something at a very high level. Um, so learning sales at that point, like because sales is a skill set. Yes, there's, it's the same thing with recruiting. It's yeah, there's five percent of it where it's your natural charisma, and there's some guys who are just naturally super charismatic and they can do it but like the 95 percent other of it is just like learning how to like say a few things in like an easy and clear manner and then working i mean it's just it's it's testing an ability to work um i think football stuff i don't know I, i think it's easier to learn um you know what you need to say to sound like you know what you're talking about when you're like i don't know talking to players than it is to do that with like I don't know, something like an engineering device or yeah. an ASIC, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, You could con
1: your uh, way into like, you know, people think, you know, not what not even talking
0: con. About. I mean, like look at what Mike Leach did. Um, he, he didn't play or really, I don't, what was he doing? He was a lawyer Yeah, he got so, a law yeah. degree. I mean, he learned enough. Um, and yeah, you don't, you don't immediately walk in from being a lawyer to being the head coach of a football team, but I don't know. I, I think the fact that it's drawing strictly from a pool of ex players, almost like universally, um, I think it diminishes the talent pool. Yeah. Um, so anyway.
1: All right. That was an all on that. Um, we got this one was actually Keon from the Bay Area. He said he, we missed it and he sent it again. That's perfect. Keon, do that because we're not on top of things. So if you want to send it in again, that's a great way to get our attention. So I uh, he said, hey, Ryan and Dave. Since we have clearly established you guys will be doing a weekly podcast throughout the offseason, shout out to the six different people who asked this last week, Uh, here's a new angle to the Pac-12 bashing we all love to partake in that I haven't heard you guys discuss, at least not in the last few months. Let's pretend for a moment that the Pac-12 is run by the best conference leadership and the product on the field is up there with the best of the SEC and the Big Ten. In other words, take some of whatever Bill Walton is having and enter a fantasy land where all <laughs> excuse me, or all the on and off the field issues with the Pac-12 conference are suddenly fixed overnight, with the conference leadership and actually football product fixed and thriving. How how much would the significant um, excuse me? How much would the significant and growing divide in casual college football interest slash fandom between the Pac-12 conference footprint in the Midwest slash South become an issue? Put another way. Can the Pac-12 actually get to a point where it is considered an equal of the Big Ten and SEC as they are today, and do the cultural and social differences mean the Pac-12 will be a step below those other conferences, regardless of the on and off field performance? Whoa, that's a lot there.
0: Okay, so um, so all right, so we're fixing the conference leadership and the actual football pro- product. So let's throw out even the how. So basically what we're saying is the product is fixed meaning that what the Pac-12 is producing at least one elite team every year, maybe two. Yeah. And like the middle of the conference is like as good as like the middle of the SEC and the bottom is, you know, there's one one or two bad teams but the rest are goodish. Like is that what we're saying? I think so. Well, if that's the case, I don't think the 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 so the The reason that you have diminishing attendance in the Pac-12 is because the teams aren't good. But when USC and UCLA, I can speak to those ones specifically, are good, they get great attendance. Washington gets great attendance almost regardless, but especially when they're good. Oregon gets great attendance no matter what. Um, Utah gets great attendance no matter what. They're even expanding their stadium, which is an unthinkable thing in today's uh, college football world um, in the West. So I think the stadiums aren't necessarily as big, um, so you might not see the the gross numbers that you see in the SEC. But if everyone's good, there's not going to be an interest issue. Um, it's it's maybe more of a front running uh, conference than other conferences, just because uh, the you know the historical thing where it's just a it's not as important out here. But if it's good, I mean, people are going to watch it. And people are going to follow it and they're going to get excited about it. Um, and I, I, I don't know that that is, that's not the fundamental issue. I think if, if all things are equal, the, the issue is it's what we were talking about up top. It's the, um, it's, uh, just localization of talent. Um, I, I don't know that you're, I, I think the, 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 the defensive linemen, especially, um, they're always going to be a little bit tougher for, um, the west coast schools to poll um at that elite level. I think they grow on trees in the south and they just don't um out west. So that's part of it and I just I mean I think there's the the general thing where there are just fewer people following these 12 teams than there are, you know, people following the SEC and it's not I don't know if that's a function of I think that's just a function of population differences, but I'd have to do like a full sociological study of it and, you know, that's tough to do. But um I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think. I mean, I think if you fixed a lot of those problems, it would be a lot more comparable. But you're never going to be the kind of passion that you have in the SEC. And I think maybe the Pac-12 would make a couple more playoffs. But you're talking about. He said the SEC and the Big Ten. The Big Ten's missed out on playoffs. They do a nine-game schedule. The only, team, the only conferences that haven't missed out on the playoff are the ACC and the SEC, and they have the eight-game schedule. So I think there's still going to be, if you still had the nine-game schedule, if you still had that kind of difference, I think you would still be a little bit more behind than maybe you should be from just apples-to-apples comparisons of team-to-team if you're saying everyone's on the same level. I think there's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage there, and I think there's also a little bit of a disadvantage just being on the West Coast. The time zone that there's not as much passion. I mean, you were talking about the reporters are up there in the Bay area. I think Stuart Mandel another tweet he had. He went to like Starbucks or something. And, and like the woman asked about, yeah, those, the team from the orange fans or whatever, they were really funny or something like like some joke, like they didn't know, you know, Clemson and Alabama were playing where if this was played somewhere in the South, you would know everything about it. It would just be, it's just more of a thing. There's less professional teams in that geographic area of the country it's more about college. You know, my my wife from Tennessee, um, you know, I like growing up watching baseball. Like they didn't care. Like you might be a, a, like an Atlanta Braves fan, but they didn't care about Major League Baseball and stuff. Where I grew up in the Northeast I was a Yankee, and like, yeah, they're not not the Yankees, but you know, and, you know, from the South, I'm a Yankee because I'm a Northeast guy. That's uh, you know, that's what was important. So you got a lot more professional sports teams out here. I think it's just gonna be different. You would be better, though. Like, you fix those things that you said, yeah. It's not going to be, I think you'll be close, but you're, it's still, there's going to be advantages of just being in the SEC because of the eight game schedule. It means more to everybody because that's like, it's more like that's your life where it's not your life as much on the West Coast. Sorry, that's kind of long answer there. That's good. Um, he also said given uh, Dave has recently relocated to the aforementioned SEC footprint, I'm wondering how obvious this difference in college football culture is. And what people over there think of the Pac-12 if they haven't – <laughs> if they even have heard of us. Sorry, Ryan. I have no idea where you're from and if you ever lived anywhere other than SoCal. Thanks, guys. Keep it up uh, with the pod. I also made my friends start listening to you guys. Shout out to Andrew. And you're welcome for the additional quote-unquote revenue. Keon in the Bay Area. Thanks, Keon.
0: Yeah. The one thing I would say is it's not – the problem for me is that – um it's hard for me to judge it because I'm like an obsessive. Um, so I, SEC fandom seems casual to me. Like when I talk to people who are like big George and Auburn fans, they don't know nearly as much as I do about their stupid teams. So it's always like, oh, well, maybe you're I, I maybe I'm just talking to the wrong people. Um but I, I think it's there's a little bit more of like the cultural element of just like that being part of the Saturday routine. Um here than it is in California, but I don't know how... I guess I don't know how significant that piece is to the broader whole. I think it's part of it. I think people are like more inclined to want to sit and watch football, which is probably why they get better TV rates. Um, but I don't know that it like translates to any... I mean, I, I guess you could talk and talk about the money and all that kind of stuff, but I think if you had... I think if you had good Pac-12 teams that were run by better conference leadership, the marginal difference in money, and there still would be. I think the SEC is still going to make more money. um, I I don't think it would matter nearly as much. I think if you're talking about a 20% difference in revenue between the Pac-12 and the the SEC, whatever. I don't think anybody's – that level of margin because you're already talking – like everyone already has new facilities. Everyone is paying at that point a million dollar per coordinator or whatever. Um I did I just don't think you would have um as big of an issue. Yeah. If everyone was good and that's basically what you're saying, if the actual football product was fixed fixed and thriving, which means, you know, USC's doing gangbusters and there's like three other really good teams who could make the playoff in any given year and then a bunch of good teams and like, you know, Oregon State still doing its thing. Um that would still, you know, I think that would generate a whole different amount of revenue than you would consider right now. Yep, agree with that. All right, here's from Zach. You ready?
1: <laughs> you sound tired.
0: Oh God, uh, the <laughs> power of Helton. Uh oh. <laughs> hey Ryan and Dave, let me start by congratulating Clay Helton for building the SUC. It's actually a dollar sign UC program. So just, I, I think you know, obviously the the typical typo there. Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <to> <laughs> such. A, I had, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta spell it out this one time at the beginning of the year. You know.
1: Oh yeah, it's yeah, you know, we haven't had this. It, New yeah.
0: year, new us. When it's like um,
1: every other email, then it's like, you know, you
0: know. Yeah, then it gets a little little tired. Um, to such a level that his assistants can get NFL head coaching jobs e- without even coaching a game. Remarkable work there. Swan needs to give Clay another extension. On to my questions. As usual, this is in a true or false format. While the Pac-12 has not produced an elite team since the Marietta, Oregon team, it is fair to say that the middle of the conference is probably consistently as tough as any other Power Five, especially with nine games with a nine game schedule.
1: The middle of the conference as tough as any other. Yeah, probably true. I would. Yeah, I think I would lean towards true.
0: The problem is the lack of true elite, um, and maybe the bottom is a little bit weaker. But I think the middle is pretty strong. Yeah. So yeah, I go there. Uh, JT Daniels should receive the first annual Jake Browning Memorial Arm Punt Scholarship Award. Absolutely, right. if that means he gets another year.
1: If he comes back for a sixth year. I think we got think the jury's out on that one. we got to wait and see who his new uh, offensive coordinator is going to be.
0: Whispers quietly, Stanford isn't that good anymore. i got to think True. True. But uh, we're usually you, wrong
1: when we think this. So that's a problem. I'm, I'm hesitant to say that because whenever you do, they win the conference. So
0: I've, I've thought that for like seven of the last eight years. Um, UCLA should compete for the South next year. Mm,
1: true,
0: because uh-huh. I don't know who's good. Yeah, and okay. they could be under that assumption. Yes, true. Uh, Oregon will be highly overrated headed into next season.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say f- false. I think they're gonna get some hype, but they're not gonna be picked ahead of Washington or anything. If they were, if you're gonna pick them to win the North, then I'd say that. But if not, I I kind of expect them to be second in the in the North. So I don't. I'm gonna say false.
0: I'll say false too because I expect them to be rated in like the twenty to twenty five range or yeah. twenty to thirty range. Um, so. That seems right to me. So, Usually, yeah. a
1: top five recruiting class though gets you extra hype. So I can maybe that's where that's coming from, and that's what they're going to have, or they have right now.
0: Jalen Phillips will have to sit out if he transfers. Uh, true. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Yeah,
1: I think true. I haven't heard that unless there's some sort of hardship or something. I don't know, but I would guess
0: yes. I mean, he pl- he played last year. I mean, it would have to be a hardship waiver of some sort. So I don't I don't know, but. Um, yeah, we'll see on that. That'll be interesting if he doesn't have to sit out a year and he ends up going to USC or Stanford. Um, Ryan, there are legitimate rumblings about getting Urban Meyer next year.
1: Uh, I would say true. I don't know about legitimate. I don't know what's legitimate. Like I can't tell you what's legitimate because it's USC and everything is just everything's on the table. No matter what, you, would, would you have said that Clay Helton would be back if USC finished five and seven and lost to two and eight UCLA squad and lost five of the last six? No, but that's USC. So I. I don't see it happening, but I've definitely heard people that seem to know what they're talking about that seem to think it could happen. Sometimes they're full of crap, so who knows? That sounds right. Um, do you think that would be? A, what do you think, Dave? Could that happen?
0: Um, I, I I very much think so. I mean, I don't think he's done coaching. I think the. I mean, I, I don't want to like cast aspersions at a man's story, but that. I mean, it's the exact same story he told. What? seven years ago, and then he found a new job the next year. So I think he's going to be finding work again. Um, Will it be USC? I mean, it sure seems to line up correctly. It fits the profile of the school that he likes to go to, which is uh, an elite recruiting institution. Um, It's a league where he hasn't coached before. I mean, he obviously coached at Utah, but that was pre-Pac 12. So I think there's a lot lining. I mean, it's a whole new feel. I mean, I think he's... He's not your guy for 15 years, but he's your guy for putting together five to eight elite seasons. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for USC. I don't I don't know if the character considerations will come into play for USC. It'll probably depend on who the new president hire is and all of that. Right. Um, but if those aren't a major concern, if he checks out for whatever they want him to be you know a guy who harbors murderers and and is a (laughs) complete piece of crap then yeah i think they they sign up for him so uh yeah i think urban meyer um it makes sense there i don't know where else he would make sense i don't know because like
1: no big 10 right like you wouldn't go to the big 10
0: what would it be like if auburn finally opens up
1: like i'm trying to think in the sec what I don't even know if Auburn would be enough, you know, like
0: the one thing I actually just thinking about it, if if Edo has a bad season, I think LSU would be a fit. Yeah, I guess so. You can recruit at a top five level there. You do have to compete with Alabama, but I don't uh, Urban's Urban's done that before at Florida. Did it just fine.
1: Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, it has to be it has to be a really good situation for him. I mean that, and he can demand that, you know. But there's just not a lot of those. I mean, he that would crush.
0: Up. He would he would crush at USC. I mean, it was. Oh yeah, yeah. That, like that would be ugly. Besides
1: being like the whatever the moral aspect of it, yes, I think he would be.
0: I he, mean, he's a pile of crap, and you're gonna walk <laughs> away. Where I mean, I, it won't be a cheating thing, but it'll be just some skeezy stuff that everyone has to, you know, carry with them for the rest of their lives, like harboring some serial murderer like Aaron Hernandez or you know allowing one of his coaches to beat his wife or whatever it is, whatever right. Urban oh, Meyer is up to in his late fifties and early sixties. That's what you're going to have to sign up for. But if you can do that, you're also going to win a lot of football games,
1: Urban Meyer and Chip Kelly. That would be freaking awesome. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, that Matching would be
1: beautiful. Um, all right. This is what the, and then a bunch of um, hashtags and carrots and uh, colons and things like that. Uh, guys, It's 1.32 p.m. on Monday, January 7th. I turned on my TV to the Pac-12 Network. Well, congrats uh, on having the Pac-12 Network. And they were televising a rerun of, wait for it, wait for it, a hockey game between ASU and Boston College. I had no idea any Pac-12 schools had a hockey team. How much money did it cost to televise this event uh, that had empty seats along one entire sideline? The last time I checked, the NHL Network had fewer viewers than the Pac-12 network suggesting excuse me suggesting there may not be m- too much interest in this match on another note what hockey player would worth his salt would consider going to ASU to play hockey when all the good programs are in the east larry scott's stupidity boggles the mind maybe that pr firm they hired will promote hockey as well earl in west la
0: damn
1: i think they have a pretty good hockey team I, I, a lot of them are clubs though i don't know I think, I think usc has a club i think ucla has a club but i think I ASU has like a legit team i think they have like an actual d1 team you know
0: i'm sure there is some contractual thing uh, so i'm just going to talk my way into something that i have no knowledge about so just bear with me uh, i think there's probably some contractual thing where they have to televise a certain amount of every school right i believe so and ASU doesn't have some stuff like they don't have water polo. I don't think. I think it's a club team there. Yeah, nobody so has pools might just,
1: in Arizona. Like, why would you have water polo? You know.
0: Yeah, so it might, it might <laughs> just be one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it might just be one of those things where they don't they don't have another sport, and so they have to fill some ASU time with something. And their hockey team is okay, so why not play them? I was thinking say, out loud.
1: Yeah, I would say Earl like probably watch any other sport and you probably see empty stands there too. I don't think it's just, you know, I don't want to pick on ASU hockey. I think I, my gut is there. are pretty good. We'll get, we'll get Cartman on that, but there's just I, the, the, the benchmark for what Larry Scott's trying to do is to put X amount. It was like 800 something live sporting events on per year. They weren't really concerned about who watches It's really more about that, which is crazy when you think about it. Cause every one of those, has production costs and all that stuff. It's expensive to put those on. That's what they've sold to the presidents like we're going to televise X amount of your games live so your family and friends can watch it. And basically that's it. Um it's not they don't they don't really care if anyone watches it or not. It's really more about we're doing all these things. We're we're putting all these things on live. That's what they're selling to the presidents, which is that's where the presidents have to push back and like hey, it's nice if you're going to do that, but if nobody's watching, why are we spending the money to do that?
0: Yeah, so it looks like they don't have men's water polo or men's volleyball, and I know I've seen both of those sports on Pac-12 Network. So maybe it's just simply taking place of those. And yeah. ice hockey is ice hockey is something different that not many schools. I don't know if any other schools have it in the Pac-12. Again, I have no idea, but I know I, I know of at least four that definitely do not. So um, yeah, it, obviously very stupid. But everything about the Pac-12 Network is very yeah. stupid. Thanks, Earl. All right. um, We got a text message. Um, Don't know who it's from, but we never know. Love is when you tell your wife that Alawali Alawali Betaku's true freshman season was probably his best. And she responds, is it really fair to say that he ever had a, quote, true freshman season? Even calling it a freshman season is pushing it. Uh so Betagu um was a former five star from Gardena Serra uh by way of I think he was Africa before that. Yes, I believe. Um who uh uh went to USC never did really anything and now is transferring and he's uh, famous for looking like he is uh 47 with three children.
1: <laughs> he's a if you look at him a person I mean he's a he's like first guy off the bus kind of guy. And the, like the nicest dude in the world, but he didn't really have, he looked like a five star player. I think that's why they ranked him that high, but he didn't really have a lot of football experience and he never really, it just seemed to never really catch on, you know, and he would try to do like drills where you'd catch the football and it just, he's a good soccer player. It, it just didn't seem like some of the skills with football worked with him. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's a the greatest kid, super nice. And you, you know, you would want him in the in an alley with you if, like, you know, a dark alley or something like no one's going to mess with this guy. But, you know, I don't know where he's going. You know, wish him the best of luck. But uh, super nice kid. But it just never really worked out.
0: And he looks 47.
1: He, he, he does look older. Um, But he we would both kill to look like that. Like he's. he's yeah. He's, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: He's chis- like, yes, he's chiseled. He's uh, ridiculous looking. But he does. Well,
0: I, I mean, I look 47 no matter what. <laughs> you are 47 yes 48 now just turned i mean 48. you're for, you're 48 and you look like you're i don't know 35 that's very
1: kind of you not probably not true but thank you
0: i'm just saying I, actually i'm just looking at your skype photo and that looks like it's from a while ago maybe it
1: is yeah maybe i was 35
0: you look uh, 35 in that one.
1: Oh, yeah, thanks um this is from mark <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> moving on i guess uh two questions do you think all the Pac twelve teams could compete with Clemson or Alabama? No.
0: Do you think the all Pac twelve
1: team? Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus. I'm, I'm really the, the all Pac twelve team could compete with Clemson or Alabama. I'm really effing this up.
0: You're doing great.
1: Ugh. Uh I need more cold medicine. Um yeah. do they think the all Pac twelve team, like we talked about that earlier? Uh yeah, I think it could, but just the defensive line would be the biggest problem, I think.
0: I think they'd lose. Um, I think it'd be. So I think what you would have is I think the. But even that, like if you're thinking about Clemson's receivers. So, yeah, you've got like Nikhil Harry in the Pac-12. Yeah. You've got Levisca those big Chenault, Stanford like You can dudes. talk any of
1: those guys, you know.
0: But uh, yeah, OK. All right. So you can talk me into all the skill positions. You can talk me into the defensive backfield. You can maybe even talk me into linebacker a little bit. But I don't think you're constructing an offensive line and a defensive line that's matching up. Yeah. I just don't.
1: That's his second part. Are are there any Pac 12 offensive or defensive linemen that could start at Alabama or Clemson? Uh,
0: I'm sure there is. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure there's some like Stanford offensive linemen who could start and some defensive linemen from like Utah who could start. I just don't.
1: Right. You don't have like uh, I, the Vita Vea guys like this year as much. Yeah.
0: If, if you gave me or Vita the, Vea, I'd say, yeah, 100%. Um, or
1: Harrison Phillips. There's not dudes like that as much that come that roll off the, that are on the top of my head. Now, maybe I'm just dumb, but
0: yeah. Like, like I, I, I didn't think nearly as much about Greg Gaines as I did about Vita Vea last year. So that one's kind of tough for me. Um, Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Um, I think, yes. I just don't know who it would be yeah. because I'd need to look at Bama and Clemson's depth chart to actually see who they are starting. Um I didn't get the impression there was much weakness on Clemson's defensive line. Um obviously no. Bama was able to run the ball, but that's because Bama's offensive line is very good. Um
1: Clemson's best defensive lineman was ineligible for the all-playoffs and they still blew everybody out, so it's like it didn't really matter.
0: Yeah, and that like that Christian Wilkins guy like, come on! He's the backup. That's not, that's <laughs> not fair. Like, it's not fair to be that good. Yeah. Not so. A- anyway. Um, okay. So no, <laughs> I think they could compete. I don't think they would win. I don't. I don't think the All Pack 12 team would win against Clemson or Alabama. I'll agree with you there. All right. Uh, this is from John and Brea. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Congratulations to the Pac-12 for winning more bowl games than any other media company. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the Pac-12 CEO group is falling for Larry Scott's con game. He should be listed on the AARP website that warns the elderly of scams. I'm thinking of the age-old scam where the scammer poses as a person of wealth and authority who needs to get a huge sum of money out of his or her country and humbly, urgently, confidentially request your assistance in return for a sizable share of the treasure. This is utterly insane when the Pac-12 presidents are letting this guy get away with, but just wait until 2024, conveniently after his next contract is renewed, when hundreds of millions of dollars will be transferred to Pac-12 school accounts. All Larry needs between now and then is $30 million in salary and a piece of the equity revenue. What is the difference between what Champagne Larry is doing to the Pac-12 presidents and this classic scam? Well, John, you're you're veering rapidly into a socialist perspective on capitalism here. Um <laughs> Because this is what uh, uh, most CEOs are doing. The I mean, truth some is, we level. all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Champagne Larry likes to live large. Um, I, I don't actually think did. there is I, much difference. I, I, I sent, sent some money scamming.
1: in, though. I, I don't know if this is probably. I don't know if it's related, but if this was actually a prince in Nigeria that needed some help. So I figured that was good. Well, so no, I sent ma- him some that money. That makes
0: sense. Yeah, that makes sense because you're helping royalty at that right.
1: Point. And, uh, and
0: you know they're good for it if they're if they say to you via an email where you can't verify it at all that they are a prince, you have to believe that. Yeah, nobody would lie about being a prince.
1: And when he transfers that Bitcoin to my account, I'm quitting the show. So it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Good stuff th- from John. Yeah, thanks, John. Oh, I guess it's me. Um, oh God, end of. <laughs> you do this. You want me to do <laughs> yeah, this one since you're sick? I've just. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's not have you read I looked
1: at it and I started coughing.
0: (laughs) All right, this is from Stephen Salt Lake. End of season. Hey, guys, I finally read the John Canzano piece on Larry Scott and stopped immediately at the story of old Larry telling former Utah AD Chris Hill, along with the other 11 athletic directors, you're lucky for what you get. I stopped here because I realized that, should the podcast of champions ever tire of the tagline, now available in more homes than the Pac-12 network, you can replace it with Podcast of Champions. You're lucky for what you get. Oh my god, that's genius. That would be beautiful as um especially in light of the first two emails we read on this show today.
1: Yes. I like um, that. And, and then the Pact Off wouldn't be as mad at us, right, for having Now and More Homes. we
0: can't change from Now Available in More Homes because it still remains true. That is true. Um but this one's this, anyway.
1: this is more subtle. Like this would be a more subtle jab at the the conference.
0: Yeah. Good work, Steve. All right. Now that the season is over, I have a few end of year questions for you guys. Ryan, who had the more illustrious coaching career at USC, Cliff Kingsbury or Rick Majeris
1: I think that's because we're in the social media world. So if you don't know, Rick Majeris was USC's head basketball coach for five days. Kingsbury's, like his tenure was six times longer than that. So certainly his, um, he definitely had more fun hanging out in Manhattan beach and we're in the more social media world, so there's more cool, like, video clips of him doing stuff. So I I would go Kingsbury all the way.
0: Yeah, probably true. Um, but the Majerus thing was pretty incredible at the time. That was awesome. Five days. Uh, <laughs> has anyone yet asked Bill oh. Walton who USC should hire as their next offensive coordinator? Barack Obama. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> That's he what he said for
1: UCLA, that. right? Like, he said he should be the head coach of UCLA.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean the thing is like I don't know why it is but people seem to take him very seriously and he's clearly like doing a like a an absurdist thing like he's he's clearly doing it to be funny but he's got yet, like people, this serious
1: job kind of thing that's why yeah
0: people get so upset about Bill Walton and I'm like he's doing like he's he's doing a whole thing like it's an art piece for him
1: it's like, amazing is, the, the much the support you have for Bill Walton and then the hatred for Rick Neuheisel, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more than, well, well
0: Rick, uh, Bill Walton has never taken a team of mine and driven them straight into the dirt and then below the dirt with and then no into the gloves, of the earth.
1: with no gloves, David, with
0: <laughs> no damn gloves. Bill Walton didn't need gloves. <laughs> Excuse me. Right. I can't even laugh Three. anymore. <laughs> was Steve Alford's disappointing tenure mainly due to the team not having enough sneakers for everybody? Or was that just with <laughs> gloves under Rick Neuheisel?
1: <laughs> Sorry Steve for stealing your thunder. I didn't realize that was your next line.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I so a uh, related question is I don't know wh- which coach I'm going to feel more antipathy towards, but I think it's almost certainly going to be Alford. Uh, Cuz Newhouse, like at least at the end of the day, you know he like wanted to do well and like be a good coach and like be a good representative of UCLA and he liked the school and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Alford seemed like a it, like a piece of crap so there,
1: i kept yeah. seeing a video of him like was it draft day like he didn't get drafted first or something and he was oh, just and like it, yeah, pissed it looks off. all sullen
0: <laughs> it was pretty good it's
1: like some like amazing player got drafted and he it wasn't him or so i can't remember what it was but it was like he looked looked at his girlfriend and it was like this like so pissed yeah. off thing
0: and I, then he says uh kind of a related question dave who underperformed more in their respective sport given the talent they had rick Neuheisel or steve alford the answer is Neuheisel, but the deal there is um, Alfred's just like a significantly like worse person and like I, I don't think he represented UCLA very well. So I if you're taking like as a UCLA coach, I'd probably take New just because whatever. You're gonna be like mediocre anyway. Might as well be heroic, like herocious, but um I almost made up a new word there. Herocious. I almost made up an entirely new version of that.
1: <laughs> Which one was that?
0: I I said something that started Herof, like where was that? Where was that headed? I don't even know.
1: I can't laugh. It's
0: no, <laughs> that's really sad. Um, all right, five more a statement than a question. Remember when at the beginning of the year Utah actually had the fifth most tenured <laughs> offensive coordinator in the conference? Those were the days.
1: Still doing better than what USC is right now. Utah, you're 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 o for o. You're not o for one. That's true.
0: Uh, and then finally. Has anything encapsulated the nation's perspective on the Pac-12 conference better than the Coca-Cola commercial about tailgating? It has a mix of different college football fans arguing about what the best tailgate food is. Georgia fan shouts burgers, Texas fan shouts brisket, etc, etc. Then at the end of the commercial, the Pac-12 enters the fray with a USC fan chiming chiming in with hummus. I guess that the one Stanford fan asking for a champagne flute wouldn't have played as well, but I would rather Coke just not represent any (laughs) Pac-12 fan base and instead just substitute us with a BYU fan shouting milk. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> here's a link if you haven't seen it thanks larry scott and thank you guys for a wonderful show all right so he sent us a link but if you uh, want to look that one up it's called the coca-cola food feuds yeah tailgate in 30 seconds so if you want to check that out yeah Google that on youtube
1: i got a lot like of usc fans that would YouTube. tweet me like why is usc represented by hummus yeah so it's it's weird that's the pact 12 representation and it's like a west coast kind of you know, out there. it it kind of just in Casper. What am I? Uh, it was, oh, you hate microcosm, right? Like, but it was like sort of, you know, you put that. Well, dis- you're allowed to say it. I'm not, no, I just, just hate it
0: when other people say
1: it. Uh, just except uh, for me. But like, if you had to think who's the outsiders of the college football world, it's the Pac-12. So everyone's talking about cool tailgating foods. And the Pac-12 school is the one that says something that's out of this world hummus. That's just like, like they're from a foreign country or something. But that, I thought that was perfect.
0: It's great.
1: Uh, we got a text message. Ryan's top two candidates for USC offensive coordinator on the hot board right now. Jed the fish, uh, wearing a bright blue UCLA polo, and Steve <laughs> fight the F on Sarkeesian. He's not in the top two or there, but he's on there. Uh, are you trying to induce a collective coronary in your fan base? Or did you let David do the art for... The article, no, D- David would have approved with those, but I, Fish is actually a real potential candidate. I'm not saying Sarkisian isn't, because it's USC. They could freaking go back to hiring the guy that sued you, and lost. Uh, But yeah,
0: I mean, if you're limiting the pool, the guys who haven't sued you, then who do you even have left?
1: Right, it'd be t- <laughs> it'd be tough. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. Like that, that would be so. I, I i don't even know what to say like that would disappear. i want that
0: to happen like you want that to happen
1: i wouldn't be shocked is what's the thing it's like there's so many people like there could never happen i'm like stop saying that could never happen because there's too many things that could never happen that just keep happening mm-hmm. nice
0: that's true all right and this is from chris uh power four power four group of six recent headlines uh mountain west has more ranked teams than the pac 12 Kingsbury leaves USC before he even got his employee ID card for the worst job in pro football, even though it comes with a life expe- expectancy of one year. What a new year. True or false? The Mountain West joins the Power Four conferences to become the Power Five before the Pac-12 does.
1: The Mountain West...
0: Um, so he's saying there is no Power Five. It's actually a Power Four. And okay. the Mountain West will... I assume the 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 test here is the Mountain West will get a team in the playoff before the Pac-12 again again does? No, no. Yeah,
1: so no. No, false. false.
0: False, false, false. Whatever your question is false, there, Chris. Chris, false. But uh, Quick I, I, quick thing I, I, on the employee. But I, but I, but I feel you. <laughs> yes,
1: we feel your pain. The quick, quick thing on the employee ID card. So Brady McCullough is the new USC beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. They've had some turnover there. Uh, he's another Michigan guy. The last couple of guys went to Michigan. Really nice guy. He's uh, been covered, you know, different cities and stuff. Um, he flew to Texas to interview cliff kingsbury's family and wrote a really nice piece that didn't really have a lot of football in it but it was more just about his background and stuff coming in and uh I, I asked him i tweeted him today i'm like have you even got like to file your expense report or paid for your expense report from that trip that you've made to texas and he's like uh before he's gone you know he's like nope you're right on he had not so it's like he flew down there to do this big expose or whatever on his not expose but he did you know do this big background on his family and it was a nice feature piece and everything and uh comes back and you know now kingsbury has gone he never even did a introductory press conference to the local media he did some like local he did some national stuff but he never did like sit down with shelly smith or something but he never sat down with the local media and now he's gone yeah crazy beautiful sorry All right.
0: Uh, um, More than half of next year's top twenty-five recruits in the Pac-12 geographical footprint sign up with non-Pac-12 programs.
1: Uh, False. False. Yeah, I mean it's it's trending the wrong way, but not more than half.
0: Yeah. Uh, Eastern Washington, the FCS runner-up, would have finished up with a winning conference record if it was in the Pac-12.
1: False. This is really like this is what you're making it way worse than it is, Chris. Let's just look. Hang on. I don't even want to look. I'm just going to say it's false.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll just go with false. I'll look up the like actual ratings, how they have it right now. But oh, um, see,
1: Would they be in the uh, – well, no, they wouldn't be part of the well, S&P Plus, right? Like they're not
0: – No, they wouldn't be in that, but there is one of these. I don't know if it's SRS. Andrew would know. Our man Andrew would know. Andrew, tell um,
1: us. Chris is full of crap. Tell us that.
0: Yeah, um, it might be Massey. I don't know. Okay. Look, there's so much going on. All right. Anyway, uh, Larry Scott is granted a contract extension.
1: False. False. I, think I think he's trying, right? Didn't Canzano tell us that that's what he was trying? To, I think
0: that's yeah. part of what he's trying to do with the like, different deals they're trying to make happen. Yeah. To build enough of an idea that they're going to move forward with something that they grant him another extension through 2021 or something. Herocious is inadequate to describe the current state of Pac-12 football. No, it's
1: perfect. False. It's great. It's dead on. Yeah. <laughs> You're the,
0: this is that was a f- lot of false there,
1: Chris. <laughs> we want, Yeah, we wanted to be a little balanced. That was all yeah. false.
0: Keep up the good work, boys, and please, please fill our offseason with hope and wonderment. Well, we won't do that. That's not really our brand here on the uh, Pac-12 podcast, the podcast of champions. Yeah. But we will fill your offseason.
1: With stuff,
0: there will be things that are said on this show, on this very show. There will be things that are said
1: on that little app on your phone. When it, it once a week, it will pop up. Oh, there's a new podcast of champions. We're not saying it's going to be good. We're not even going to say it's going to be decent.
0: We're not, but it will be. It will, it will be. <laughs>
1: it will be there. Could it be adequate? Sure, but we don't. Yeah, if you
0: catch us on the right week, we're not going to. There's guarantee. a real chance of adequacy.
1: Yeah, that that could be a logo, a slogan of ours, like. We can't guarantee it will be adequate. Like, you know, it's we, we no. just can't. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I think it's our last question.
0: That was our last question and a fitting end.
1: Yeah. So we go hour and a half with no football games.
0: Absolutely nothing going on. Um so next week we should actually get one of those recruiting guys on to talk some recruiting. Right. Stuff.
1: We could do that. Uh, um I'm going to actually okay. So next week, well we can plan this out. I'm going to be in Hawaii, uh, but maybe I could get with Brandon Huffman, who's going to be there and maybe we could do something together.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: So it could be an on location from Hawaii podcast.
0: That sounds fun.
1: All right. Well, we'll, try, I'll, I'll, I'll work. We'll try to work that out that our, our time zones will be very different. There'll be a five. Was, oh God. Is it five or six now? I forget if they're on, uh, I think it'd be five. I think they're, uh, I think they, they don't do the time change. So I think it would be five hour difference.
0: Do they not do the time change?
1: Yeah. It's kind of like hold Arizona. On. Oh, I hold on.
0: Hold on. Let me do time in Hawaii right now. Oh, hold on. Hold on. This is Okay. Yeah, you're right. Five hour difference. So okay. if we did our typical, like, yeah, so that'll be fun.
1: We'll figure it out. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to do that since I will be there covering the Polynesian, uh, bowl. Um, I believe Brandon's going to be there. I, gotta, I haven't talked to him yet, but I think him and Blair. Maybe we can get everyone together. We could get them to
0: uh Let's get the whole damn crew.
1: Yeah, we could get we'll get in a room and kind of discuss everything that's going on with the uh Pac-12 recruiting. So that that's a plan. It might fall through, but we're that that's what that's what our plan is right now. Beautiful. We just came up with it cuz that's part of
0: <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't have a day, we don't have a time, but we have the vague possibility of a plan. And that's really all we're looking that's for. That's
1: all you part. need. That's all you need. Um, All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Together, we are the Podcast of Champions. Thank you so much for tuning in and dealing with my little bit of a cold. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.